Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Ah, uh, thanks guys. Whew. It's good to be back with you. Um, my wife uh, specifically requested that I show you at least one picture of our baby, so... If we could get that up on the screen. <laughs> oh. She's super pretty. She's super pretty. I'm a fan. <laughs> we just leave that up the whole time. No. <laughs> that would be too distracting. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to dive right in a little bit because I have, uh, I have a couple different places that I'd, that I'd like to go today. Um, so, uh, today... I would like to talk about correction. <laughs> it's a good reaction. I also wanted to talk about discipline. <laughs> How many of you does that make you a little bit nervous? <laughs> awesome. We've got about eight honest people <laughs> and other people who are lying to themselves. Um, so uh, uh, Steve talked about this briefly. I want to uh, share a, a seeing in the spirit story. If you've been around, you've heard uh, about this kind of stuff a lot. But if you're new here, um, you're going to get the extremely fast version, bless you, um, of uh, I've, uh, since I was a little kid, I've seen in the spirit. I've seen angels, demons, and other spiritual things, um, kind of the same way that I'm seeing you guys right now. Um, we can talk more about how that works in a, at another time. But I, I want to share a specific story. Um, so when I was in first year at the uh, Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Reading, um, I, I had this really interesting experience. I had lots of those, but this particular one uh, was about half-ish way, maybe eh, th- three or four months into the year. Now, uh, the, both our school of ministry and the uh, school of ministry in Reading has a, has a unique challenge in that it's not a traditional Bible college and, you know, we're really trying to impart a supernatural culture. You know, we're trying to invite people into a, a kingdom culture. Now, people are coming, seeking that from lots of different backgrounds. There's people from 18 years old to 90 years old. There are people who have been pastors and teachers for 20, 30 years that come to our school and the school in Reading. And there's people who got saved a week before they came. And so there's a wide spectrum of experiences. And one of the things that they did in Reading to help just kind of create at least a little bit of a level playing field was, again, it's not a, it's not, it wasn't a Bible college, but uh, one of the leaders there, Dan Farrelly, who's an amazing man, yes, amen, um, if you knew him, you'd be cheering too, um, he uh, devised a really simple quiz, he wanted to make sure that, you know, since there's a wide number of backgrounds, and a lot of people had grown up in church, but he wanted to make sure that everyone at least had a basic understanding of biblical history and a basic understanding of, um, you know, just kind of Bible timeline and Bible geography. And so he gave us a quiz. He had taught us some material and was going to give us a quiz on just a basic timeline of biblical history from uh, Moses to Jesus and a basic picture of Israel during the time of David, just so that, you know, everyone, at least everyone's on a level playing field. Makes sense? And so I remember the day that we were scheduled to have our quiz. It was a Tuesday. And I know it was a Tuesday because we always started with worship on Tuesdays. And on this particular day, man, worship was just 
going somewhere. Like worship was just, you know, you know, sometimes, you know, we, we always have really awesome worship here, but it was just one of those days where it's like, wow, this is just going somewhere. This is accelerating. Everyone's in, everyone's, you know, everyone's just leaning in and, and going for it. And I, you know, and, and so everyone's just like jumping and dancing and running around. And, you know, me, me personally, I, I love the Lord more than anything, but usually the way I express that during worship is standing like this. <laughs> And if I'm really into it, I'll rock like this, maybe. <laughs> it's about the extent of my external expression of my affection for the Lord. But inside, I'm going bananas, just so you know. Um, but even me, on that particular day, I was, I was running, I was jumping, I was spinning around, I was feeling just so excited. And there's just this sense of unity and acceleration and worship. The, the band was dancing so vigorously, vigorously that they were getting tangled up in their guitar chords. Like, this worship was just going somewhere. And you could feel this acceleration. It was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as I looked in the spirit, I saw angels in every part of the room dancing around. I saw this oil pouring into the room. It was like this rich golden oil that I saw pouring into the room. And it was pouring in so thickly that it was like knee, knee deep in the room. There were angels with these big barrels and they were scooping up this oil and dumping it over people's heads. And again, there's a sense of worship. And again, it was just all accelerating. I even saw an angel pick up a barrel and just smash it over a guy's head. And, and again, it was just all merging together in just this beautiful, just love and praise for God. Just so much worship going on. And out of all of this, this, this uh, cacophony of dancing angels, dancing students, dancing guitar players, um, I see Dan Farrelly emerge onto the stage, carrying his big binder under his arm. And I, look, I turn and I look and I realize it's time for worship to be over. It's, it's the end of worship time. Now, this is about three or four months into school, and so there had already been circumstances where the presence of the Holy Spirit had shown up in such a way that, that the plan that we had on the schedule didn't happen. You know, we, we end up going for something, releasing healing, just uh, soaking in the Lord's presence, you know, all these different things. There, it didn't happen every week, but there were enough times that it happened that it was, you know, that we knew that that was something that happened. And as I stood there just feeling this acceleration in worship, feeling just this, 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 this deepening sense of just uh, even just like extending my ability to worship and feeling the, the room of how much further we could go, I was certain, I was positive, I was absolutely sure that Dan was going to get up on the microphone and say, you know what, we can do this old quiz anytime. Why don't we just keep on worshiping because God is clearly really doing something. I was positive that that's what's going to happen. Instead, um, Dan got up on the microphone and said, all right, everybody, it's time for our quiz. Go ahead and find your seats. And, and, and it's a testament to how palpable the, the sense of worship was and the unity around this acceleration in worship was that everyone froze, and I heard about half the room let out an audible gasp. Like, <gasps> And for a moment, nobody moved. Even the, the guitar players kind of looked at each other for a moment, like as if to say, should we just keep playing, you know, kind of thing. And there was a pause where no one moved, and then Dan said again, yes, we're going to do the quiz. Please go find your seats. <laughs> and so being the honoring Bethel students that we were, everyone slowly meandered their way back towards their seats. I may have heard one or two slightly less than honorable uh, statements on my way back to my chair. 
But everyone finally sat down, the paper was passed out, and we started filling out our quiz. Now, I filled out the quiz pretty quickly. I, I, I grew up in church. I was a pastor's kid and a missionary kid pretty much my whole life. And so I, all the material was pretty familiar to me. So I'm filling it out and just kind of, you know, casually just writing in this simple timeline and this map. And I can't get over this feeling that, man, worship was really going somewhere. Like, man, it was really going somewhere. Why, why would Dan stop that. I, I know Dan. I know that, that he you know, is sensitive to the spirit. I know that he wants to follow what God's doing. Why would he stop that? And I lifted my eyes from my quiz for just a moment and looked around and I saw all the angels that were present during worship were still, were still there. <clears throat> they were still in the room. The oil was still flowing in the room, but all the angels were just kind of standing there looking around like waiting for their cue kind of thing. In fact, there was one angel who was holding a barrel kind of like in mid-pour, just balancing, waiting for his cue. And as I looked at these angels, I could feel that sense of acceleration in worship start to, start to well up again. And I thought, you know, I was looking around, seeing all this stuff and realizing like, oh man, Dan, you, you made a mistake. We should have kept going in worship. This is clearly what God is doing. You know, you, you made the wrong choice. You know, using your gift to justify your opinions and thoughts. We'll talk about that more some other time. Um, and as I'm feeling so very righteous in my, my understanding, I feel this gentle little tug from the Holy Spirit. As I feel that, I, I turn to the back corner of the room. It would have been, wait, sorry, would have been that corner if it was this room. Um, and I look back there, and in the corner, I see this fountain. It's a three-tiered fountain, and there's this green water that's coming out of it. And it's coming out so profusely that it's overflowing. It's spilling over. And there's about four or five angels that are around this fountain with buckets that are catching the overflow of this water. And they're stacking it in lines along the back wall over there. Now, the second that I look at that fountain, I start getting words of knowledge for things that God wants to heal. I just get pictures of, of x-rays, of broken bones. I get pictures of... Of, of DNA strands. I get pictures of all these different things that God wants to heal that's in the room. In fact, I can feel my eyes almost magnetically being drawn to look at different people in the room that, that have some kind of disease or have, have something that God wants to heal. I can just feel this desire for, that God had to release healing on his people. I could, and again, it was so strong that the thought crossed my mind of maybe I should sneak out of my chair and like lay hands on some people. They're not going to get you in trouble for that at this kind of school, right? Um, so and as I feel this, this uh, sense just growing, 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 again, I feel this gentle little tug. And I feel drawn to the, to the front, front right corner of the room. And I, as soon as I look there, I look up, and I see a hole in the ceiling. And in the hole, I can see, like, just bright, beautiful sunlight. And as soon as I look there, I see all these letters start pouring out of this opening, like old, uh, you know, handwritten letters. Remember those? Um, when they weren't junk mail? You know, anyway. Um, and so all these letters start pouring in, and they fly into the room and start resting over different people's heads. And the second that I see a letter rest over someone's head, 
I immediately start getting a prophetic word for them. I start hearing just the, the adoration that the Lord is wanting to pour out on his people. I can just hear his voice. I can hear all the wonderful things that he wants to say to people. And very quickly, there's four or five letters stacked over each person, just more and more and more are showing up. And I can just feel his desire to release his voice to his people. And so I started to catch on to what the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me. I looked at the angels that were present during worship, and I could feel that sense of, of, of a new level of worship being, being lit up in my heart again. I looked over at the fountain, and I could feel God's desire to release healing on people. I looked at the opening, and I could feel God's desire to release his, his voice to people, to, to, to release his prophetic voice to people. And then I looked up at Dan. And Dan was up there on a table not so much different than this, except it was round. And he had his big binder down, and he had it opened up and was flipping through his notes. And as I looked at Dan, <coughs> I saw an angel standing behind him that hadn't caught my eye before. This angel was uh, dressed in kind of these fancy-looking robes. They were very precise and intricate. The, the best description I can say uh, for shorthand is just that like a Victorian librarian, like very put together. Um, and, uh, and he had this big book underneath his arm. And as I looked at him, he walked up and he set the book down on the table right next to Dan's notes. And, for, and he hesitated before opening it for just a moment, just long enough for me to see in this big, thick book, in big, block, golden embossed letters, the word life. And he flipped open this book and I saw the words that were on the page of this book start to peel off one by one and flutter into the room. And they kind of just swam through the air and went from person to person and, and would either like sink into their heads, sink into their heart, and um, just saw these words. Again, they, they were written in a language that I couldn't read on, on sight, but there were just all these words that were just peeling off the page one after the other. As soon as they were all gone from one set of pages, he'd turn the page and more would be released down. And I looked and I saw one of these words fluttering towards me and I watched as it hit me in the chest and the second that it hit me in this in the chest I felt this incredible hunger and just a new scope of understanding at the depth of of what can be found in God's written word I just again like I said I've been a missionary kid and a pastor's kid my whole life I've been in Sunday school since before I could remember I'd heard you know Bible stories hundreds of times but I had all these stories, even the stories I was referencing in this simple quiz, I could feel them taking on a completely new life. It's like they, they went from these like static Victorian paintings to, to like these beautiful three-dimensional images that popped in my mind. They felt alive. They felt real. I felt like I could look at them in a totally different light. It didn't feel like, and, and maybe some of you have had the same experience as me, is sometimes when you, when you grow up in the church, you hear these stories so many times, and you've heard their meaning explained so many times that you kind of forget that it's something that happened, that, 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 that there were people there that didn't know what the ending was, that, you know, all, all that stuff. And it just felt alive all of a sudden. And as I sat there experiencing that, looking around the room at all this other stuff that was available, something hit me that hadn't quite hit me this particular way before. I realized God is big. Amen. Right? God is big. Huge even. Um, 
in fact, he might be so big that he's 100% ready to release a new level of worship, 100% ready to release supernatural physical healing, 100% ready to release the prophetic, and 100% ready to release a new level of understanding for his written word. That maybe it wasn't that God just wanted to do this, that God had made a multitude of things available to his children and entrusted a leader in that particular case to guide the room to what that leader saw God doing. And as a small side note in that moment, I realized um, that, you know, in that particular stage of my life, I would have known how to go after a new level of worship. I would have known how to pursue a new level of the prophetic. Uh, Because of my time at the school, I would have known how to pursue a new level of healing. But because of my background and because of where I was at that particular point in my life, I didn't really know. I felt like I was kind of at a ceiling with my understanding of the Bible. Uh, Not that I knew everything by any means, but that there wasn't, I didn't see where more room to grow was. And by honoring what my leader asked me to do, even if I did it somewhat begrudgingly, that I was actually invited into something that wasn't available, that, that I wouldn't have been able to find on my own. Does that, does that make sense? I love being corrected by God. That might sound sarcastic. That might sound like, I love being corrected by Lord. I, I love it. It is the best. Some of you are convinced. Some of you are not quite convinced, but it's okay. It is so good to be corrected by God. It is so good. I feel on a good day, I'm getting corrected by the Lord six to eight times. Sometimes more. On a bad day, I'm getting corrected once or twice. Turn with me, if you will, (laughs) to Hebrews. And uh, make sure to go to this one. I want you to have this one to look at afterwards. And we're going to hop a couple other places real quick, but we're going to come back to this place. This is one of those lovey-dovey, ooey-gooey passages of Scripture. Hebrews 12, uh, we're going to start in verse 4. <laughs> that part was a little bit sarcastic, the lovey-dovey part. Um, <laughs> all right. Now, uh, as we dive into this, I want to uh, encourage you. Um, we do this thing as Christians, and I want you to stop doing it for a second. Um, Where we know that something is right, we know in our head that something is right, so we know we should believe it. So we ignore when we have a feeling that says, ah, that's terrifying to me. (laughs) Or, ah, that's that's super scary. But I know that it's right, so that feeling, I shouldn't just, I just shouldn't have that feeling. No one does that, right? (laughs) For, For right now, if something in here freaks you out, I want you to just let it freak you out for a second. That sound okay? We, we, feel, we feel okay with that? Cool. All right. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Everyone feeling okay? <laughs> Doing great? Cool. 
and you have complete and you have completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son. It says this from Proverbs. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. Doing okay? <laughs> For what children are not disciplined by their father? Here's the, here's the real puncher here least to me. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. <laughs> how's, that, how's that feeling? Is that feeling okay? No. Thank you, Summer. <laughs> Summer's like, no, that doesn't feel great at all. <laughs> Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> that, that, Okay, now let's, let's practice a little bit of honesty. How many of you that freaks you out a little bit? Let's be honest. Cool, that's awesome. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw a picture for just a moment um, of two different categories of people. There's a lot of different categories, but here's two of them. Um, I'm going to call these ones the... the What's my, oh yeah, I had a good one before, but I forgot it. So these are going to be the grace blanket over here. And these are going to be the horrible sinners over here. <laughs> Ready for that? Another, another term could be like the divas and the worms. <laughs> now, if you're over on this side, you're like, yes, I need that correction. I need to be fixed. God, I'm so horrible. There's so much wrong with me. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I, I, I need to die daily. I need to pick up my cross and follow him. You know, all, the, all that stuff. That's, that's it's in the Bible. That's true. Yeah. I am such a worm. Yes, please correct me. Man, do I need it. Oh, if I only knew what was wrong with me, I would be so quick to fix it. And right away, Lord, just tell me everything that's wrong with me. Blake, tell me which demons are on me so that I can fix them right away. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I can take it. <laughs> and over here, it's like, it's all under the blood, man. <laughs> he paid for all the sins. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. No demon, no angel, no nothing in the past, nothing in the future. Huh? <laughs> nothing. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> People in, in this category over here are, are believing. There's a couple things they can be believing, but the most prominent one that I've observed is they're believing the lie that their performance, what they, what they do, what their actions are determines how much love, how, how good they are, where their identity is at, stuff that Jen was even talking about, that, that these things affect my identity. These things affect who I am, so I need to fix them so I can get right with God. <laughs> right? And in my experience, these people over here are believing a lie that if that stuff isn't just covered by grace, then it affects my identity. It, it disconnects, doesn't matter. It's, it's 
separates me from his love, if it's not just all covered, if it just doesn't matter, then that means I'm separated from God. That means God correcting me means I'm doing something bad, means that I'm bad, right? In my experience, we're believing the same. Now, these are, I obviously, well, slightly exaggerate, sometimes not so slightly, um, these types of personalities, but they come from the same fundamental lie. Let me read another scripture to you guys. You guys don't need to turn to this one yet, but you can jot it down for later. It's Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. We love it. You know, for, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and it is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's, it's by our faith. It is by grace that we are saved. It is not through works. And the idea that correction, that, that, God's, that God would need to correct me is a sign that my identity is not in the right place or that I'm not valuable or I'm not loved is believing that your works matter. It's actually pride that your works matter in your identity. Does this make sense? And there's a lot of scriptures we could throw here, like faith without works is dead. Sometimes we ignore that one word and we're over in the blanket side of things. Um, Proverbs 2.2 2 says, tune your ear to wisdom. Tune your ear to wisdom. If you're over on this side, one thing that I discover a lot is we hear, all of, we hear all the good, true messages that God has to say to us of you are my son, you are my daughter, I chose you before the foundations of the earth, you are loved, you are adored, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Things that are true. And we think when we hear something negative about us, we think, well, that's the enemy trying to attack my identity, which he will do which he will do. He will throw lies at you that attack your identity. But if we do not tune our ear to wisdom, we will recognize the correction of the Father as an attack from the enemy and reject it. You guys hear me on that one? Now again, the enemy will try to throw lies at you. He will try to throw your past back in your face. He will try to throw shame on your, on your face. And Again, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We, we do not receive that. That doesn't mean that he doesn't correct us. That doesn't mean that we suddenly became perfect in our expression. But what it does mean is that we, we have received the ability to grow. And this is where I actually find this really touching personally. Because if, if, well, let me just, let me, let me make sure that this is super clear first. Um, and anyone play an instrument in here? Play, play a musical instrument, anyone? Okay, fewer people than I expected, but that's okay. Hopefully this metaphor works. Um, <laughs> when your instrument is not tuned correctly, some of you, as you're learning, you have this experience. When your instrument is not tuned correctly, and the whole, I, I've actually seen these arguments happen uh, in worship teams, uh, like, oh, you all are tuned the wrong way. You guys all sound super off. You know, when your instrument is not tuned correctly, 
when you make the exact same note as the other person, it sounds different. It sounds non, it, it resonates the wrong way. It sounds off. It's so important that we tune our ear, we tune our instrument to wisdom, to the Lord, to the voice of God, to the correcting voice of God, so that we can recognize it when it shows up, not only directly from him, but also in other people. Because if we're on this side with our, with our grace blanket, it's really easy to say, oh, you're judging me. Oh, you're controlling me. People can judge you. People can try to control you. They can't, but they can try. Um, people can reject you. People can do all those things. But also, it's a very common disguise that the enemy tries to put on the correction of the Lord. He tries, the enemy tries to disguise, he tries to tune your ears so that you hear correction as judgment, that you hear correction as condemnation, that you hear correction as, I'm not good enough. Does this make sense? We need to tune our ear. Because having the ability to hear that correcting voice from God is part of what Jesus paid for. I don't hate very many things. I hate like three things. I just don't hate very much. But one of the things I do hate is when anyone gets less than everything that Jesus paid for for them. That any of us would go through our lives that if we're getting everything that he paid for, because we think that if we need correction, that we are less valuable, that we are less awesome, that we are less all those prophetic words that have been spoken over us. No, the fact that you need correction and need to grow is actually what makes those things real. That doesn't make, when, if someone, how many of you have had, a, been, someone gave you a prophetic word that seems so big, you're like, I don't know how that's going to happen. Anyone ever have one of those? If not, prophetic teams will be available afterwards. Um, <laughs> make sure they're big guys. No. Those prophetic words are not going to bippity-boppity-boo into experience. An angel is not going to show up and say, surprise, you're a good preacher. Surprise, here's your stadium. Surprise, everyone just showed up to get saved. <laughs> I mean, that'd be cool. But you know what really happens? Your father steps into your life and coaches, grows, and loves you into the kind of person for whom all those prophetic words make perfect sense. He grows you into the kind of person that everyone's like, yeah, of course they're doing that. Yeah, of course they did that. Yeah, of course they met so-and-so. Yeah, of course they led so... There are people in this environment who we hear a testimony and we're as a joke, we're at the end like, and then they receive Jesus because that's their person's reputation so much that it's just so normal that we just know that person just leads people to the Lord. That's what they do. That's who they are. It's the kind of person for whom a prophetic declaration now just makes sense. We all just know that it's true. We need, 
in a, in a culture, well, okay, let me just hit this this way. Well, let me, let me, uh, sorry. All right, quick, get the Bible out. <laughs> Go back to Hebrews real quick, Hebrews 12. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. At all. <laughs> at all. <laughs> you don't get... This doesn't... I, I want to be really clear with what we just said before this. This doesn't mean you have to just realize that you're a bad person, that you're a worm, and that you need to be fixed. What he's saying here is this is one of the deep roots of your identity in Christ, is that he paid so that you would have a father who would come into your life and bring correction and bring health. He paid for that. That right was denied. We, we violated that right, and Jesus paid as much as he could to get it back. So if you don't get this, you're not getting the whole, it's, you're not getting it at all. Not, you're not, you're being bad, but you're not getting what he paid for. Tracking? Okay. Moreover, this is in the next verse, verse 9. Uh, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. That's true for some of you. Um, <laughs> how much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. That we may share in his holiness. <laughs> What? What? It's starting to sound like grace. No dis discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. It's supposed to work that way. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for all who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Look, I, I, every, all of us have a different experience, but generationally what I see is a culture that grew up with harshness, strictness, I'm a worm side of things. And I see generationally we're in, we're in the whiplash. We're in the, the pendulum swinging the other way of don't judge me. Don't tell me what I'm doing is wrong. Don't yuck my yum. <laughs> I've heard this anyway. <laughs> you know. Yes, it's possible for people to be judgmental. Christians do it all the time. So we do need to work on that and probably get some correction. But... But we have this shield with, if you're giving feedback to me, then you're attacking my identity. How's that working out? <laughs> I know that some of us, I know that some of us have become lame, that we have been disabled by the way that our parents disciplined us, by the way other leaders disciplined us, by the way people treated us, that they probably doing their best and sometimes doing their worst <laughs> trained us in some cases some of us had great parents some of us who had parents who, who were who wonderful pictures of, of who God is but a lot of us didn't and certainly none of us had a perfect picture but the enemy will try to use that to train us to shield ourselves from our inheritance from our inheritance 
our inheritance that will actually heal the damage that a bad example gave us. It's literally the promise. It's the promise right here that you will not be lame, that you will not be disabled, but healed, that you'll be healed in this area, that you'll be healed emotionally, that you can actually receive feedback and it doesn't touch your identity, that you can actually realize, I did something super wrong. I made a huge mistake, but man, I'm being corrected. We have to realize and be okay with the idea that we fail constantly. All have sinned. Okay, yeah, we agree with that. But, you know, I'm saved now. I don't do that so much, you know, so, you know. And falling short of the glory of, God, of glory of God. Oh, I fall short of the glory of God all the time. That's not a con- condemning. We can't look at the lens through condemnation through that. We have to look at all have sinned. Yep, all have fallen short of the glory of God. That doesn't mean you're bad, you're a jerk. That means there's more available. The glory of God is available for your life. And I don't want anyone to miss out on that. We fail constantly. We fail all the time. And if we try to shield ourselves from that, we will miss out on the grace of God to speak into that area and equip us to be to be healed in that area. I failed yesterday. <laughs> I, my, I, I was cleaning out the garage and I was sweeped it up all nice. And, you know, I'm allergic to most of Georgia. So all of the... <laughs> All of the dust and everything there is just getting churned up in this beautiful fountain directly into my face and eyes. And so I'm, I'm itchy and I'm tired and I'm moving all this heavy stuff. And I'm like, why don't we throw all this away? And, you know, doing this. And, and my, my kids are goofing off with the hose and, you know, spraying around and spraying this. And say, hey, stop, you know, and then, of course, chasing with the hose and then whoop, straight into the garage. I'm like, please don't do that. You know, third time, please don't do that. Fourth time, eighth time, you know, it's going. It got to enough times where I was too harsh with my son. The second that the, the harshness started coming out of my mouth, I clearly and firmly heard the voice of the Lord saying, stop, slow down. He's learning. And so I stopped, took a breath, calmed down, walked to my son, apologized for the way that I reacted and talked to him talked him through the whole thing. And afterwards, I walked back and I got my broom and I started crying. Because when we receive correction from the Lord, my son gets a better father than I could give him on my own. (laughs) And if that's not grace, then I don't know what is. When I receive correction from the Lord, my wife gets a better husband than I could give her on my own. When I, re- when I receive correction, my friends get a better friend than I could create. It's grace. When, when I receive correction from the Lord, you guys get a better preacher than I could give on my own. That's grace. When I receive the real grace of God in my life, it transforms my life. It transforms the way I treat my kids. It transforms the way that I work. It, it, it starts bringing all this abundance that you're talking about. That's why I love the correction of God because his idea is always better. It's just how it is. And he's not condemning. If you are hearing condemnation when you hear the voice of God, you are not hearing the voice of God or you're not hearing the voice of God clearly. You're hearing it through a filter. Does that make sense? I don't hate very much. It's just not in my nature. But I hate 
that any of us would walk out our time on this planet missing out on anything that Jesus paid for. Stand up for a second if you would. The grace blanket and the, the worm side of things are rooted in the same fundamental lie that what I do is determines my identity, determines how much God loves me, determines his affection for me. But whatever version of that lie hits you. I want to challenge you in the coming weeks to go on a journey of extending your trust in God's love for you. That you can practice hearing him correct you directly, directly and strongly and experience this is love. Not in the fake Christian, I know this is right, so I'm just going to grin and bear this sort of way. But help me, Lord, feel the love in this. I, I'm, I'm, this isn't because I'm an impressive person. This isn't because of anything. But I love being corrected by God because I feel so loved. I feel so covered. I feel so touched. I feel like, ah, oh, you're giving me something better than what I have. Like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be a better father. I'm getting to be a better husband. I'm getting to be a better friend. I'm getting to release more good on this earth instead of more bad. I'm being equipped to, see, to create the change that I wish to see in the world. That I, and that change that I want to see is maturing and growing, expanding by the correction, by the, by the input of the Lord. It's beautiful. It's transformative. The last thing I will say is when you really turn, tune your ear to this, he's going to say things. He's going to correct you on things that you were very certain about. <laughs> You're going to realize that more things were your fault than you thought. Or that you had way more responsibility in that situation than you thought. This is where you get to exercise that muscle where it's not by works. It doesn't matter that you made that mistake. That's not it. That's not why he's bringing it up. That's going to bring your defensiveness. That's going to bring your shield. That's going to bring self-righteousness. That's going to bring, it's their fault. It's going to bring all these things. But if I could stand there and say, show me the love. Show me that even though, and that's, guys, that's what real love is. This fake, I'm sorry, I'm just hitting this for a second. This fake thing that we're doing of don't judge me, don't, don't do this, that's give me enough distance so I'm not hurt by your opinion. That is not love. That is give me a safe distance until I'm not affected by you anymore. That is not love. Love is I can stand in the same space as you, disagree with you, and still operate from love. And still ex release an experience of love. And if we are not experiencing that, then we are falling short of the glory of God. That is not you're failing, you're bad. That is there's more available. The glory of God is available in those areas. Let's find it and let's release it onto the earth, okay? So just put your hands out in front of you. I'm almost eight minutes over, so I'm gonna wrap this up super fast. <laughs> Lord, we cannot do this. We, 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 we cannot do this on our own. We cannot uh, resist our natural urge to protect ourselves, to defend ourselves, to, to, to push things off on others. We need your help, but right now, Lord, we're giving you permission 
We're giving you permission to speak to us, to adjust, to, to tune our hearts to wisdom, to tune our ears to wisdom, for us to recognize, oh shoot, that was mostly my fault. But that does not reduce my identity. That does not bring shame. That does not reduce my value. That is an opportunity to release the grace of God into my life and in the lives of other people. That I can look back on things from my history without shame. That I could that I could actually open up things from my history that I've sealed away because I was too ashamed to look at them. That I could truly look at them in the grace of God. That with the correction of the Lord that has given me the ability, that has released the grace for me to not be that person anymore. And I release just the grace to hear about our future, to hear about where you're taking us, to 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 hear your voice in that moment when we're reacting the wrong way, when we're getting offended at someone, when we're when we're forgiving because we're supposed to, but not really experiencing it in our heart, that we would recognize that out of tune nature that says, well, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to. No, I want to do this because my heart has been transformed. And I will not move from this space until you transform me, Lord, because I cannot do it on my own. I can't. I release the grace to recognize that I can't forgive. I can't forgive this. I know I'm supposed to. I know that I'm supposed to, but I can't because it hurts. I release the grace to recognize those and receive a miracle in our hearts, to receive a miracle to do something that we couldn't do before. I just release that in Jesus' name. I release, and if, if you want this, just accept it in your heart. I release the correcting voice of the Lord into every one of our ears. That we would hear that whisper that says, stop. Don't do that. Slow down. And that we, and it, we would immediately taste, hear, smell any kind of filter that is putting a bad spin, that is putting shame into that voice. And we would, that you, Lord, you'd walk us through removing those filters, whether they be from our history, whether they be from our experience, whether they be from anything. I just say that we will hear the pure, correct voice of the Lord in our hearts, and it will lead us to release good, to be healed and restored. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.